0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of I'm thinking of spoiling things, and that thing today is you, the audience, because wow, we are going to spoil you with delights. We've got um, a few recent releases to get through, some a bit less recent actually. We're going to stretch a bit further this time because I've caught up on some things, and we've also we're also going to talk about a film that we said we watched one time. <laughs> yeah, right some wrongs. Yeah, right some wrongs. As did the director, actually, I would say. Oh, we'll get to that later. Um, then we're going to talk about Crimes of the Future, the movie. Which movie? Both. And then we're going to go through a short selection of curated emails and messages from you, our wonderful audience. If you're thinking, I didn't send an email, we'll send one next time. Thinking of spoiling at gmail.com. Anyway, that was
1: a far too long introduction. Vaughn's here too. Hi i am here i like that for anyone that's new to the show that was a great intro for what we're all about i think okay rambling
0: is what <laughs> we're all about well it's not wrong um so the grab bag of recent releases the name that yeah. stuck the official title fire.
1: what steven said in the moment not yeah, intending for it to the, stick i've decided it's sticking because it's funnier that way
0: yeah it's a. Uh how do you make jack make a jingle challenge i think (laughs) really is the (laughs) if he's listening he'll just like slide into our dms at some point with just like an mp3 or a flack he loves a flack um that would just be a great jingle of that so the grab bag of recent releases We've caught up some things that are not going to get a full episode because we have limited time, and otherwise things get just, like, dragged out and don't feel worthwhile anymore. Um, and also a film that we forgot to do an episode about. Let's start with that one.
1: <laughs> right. After Yang. The After Yang After podcast. Yang, directed by Koganada. So, since I know you have very strong opinions on Koganada, why don't we start with your thoughts on Columbus?
0: oh it sucks um columbus is a bad movie uh, no uh columbus is a movie i don't like very much um it's fine it's it's arguably good even um it's kind of like cold sterile and it exists to be symbolic and nothing but i mean it's about architecture that feels like architecture it is designed to the point of losing feeling um i find it to be bland and uninteresting um and to me the most telling moment was with the one time where a character gives an impassioned speech about why they love something they are drowned out with music because the movie has nothing to say about real passion the movie exists as an objet d'art to just be symbolic um so i was not very excited about a new film from koganada though the visual eye and the precision of the directing was strong in columbus
1: so i was willing to watch another to see where he went you love columbus I do love Columbus. I was, I was going to say, like, I, I was thinking through what I was going to say as you were speaking, and then I was like, it's basically just the opposite of everything you said, <laughs> like, are my thoughts on Columbus. It all just it all just totally works for me. I like the sort of, I mean, like you said, there is, like, a precision to it, but I like the sort of architecturally echoing directing style and mm. the, the visual flair of it. Um, I, do, I do get that it does make it ultimately kind of feel a little bit cold, but I think it's more like there is a warmth in the characters in a colder environment, um, and I think that really it's works excessive. for me. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great movie. I love Columbus a lot, so I was very excited for After Yang, and totally, I would say even then surpassed my expectations. I really love After Yang.
0: I think it's absolutely brilliant. I was I was really really taken with it. It's it's the, exactly the kind of like sci-fi I, I I really really enjoy. It's kind of like I don't know. I don't, have you seen Solaris? I have not. I've only gotten oh, Solaris to Stalker is so far. so, 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 so good. It's like. It reminds me. Actually, it reminds me very much of a film that um, Cody, friend of the show, recommends me. Um, the, the Clone Arrives Home or The Clone Comes Home. I forget the exact title of it, it's a wonderful film. Of this sense of a type of science fiction that feels like it exists in the first twenty minutes of um, Solaris, where it's kind of like, yes, there is like space, space age futurist stuff, but it's very much about like a pastoral or like rural environment, um, which you don't often get in science fiction. It's it, it's it's slow and competitive and lovely. Um, this film is about things that you get science fiction so often about, to the extent it becomes very very trite. Um, of what does it mean to be human? Are androids human, etc. It engages with them in ways you would expect but i think also in ways you don't expect and it's not so much interested in like the big answers it's interested right. in 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 character and connections and how we grow through that it's not interested in the grand narrative um, it is a beautiful tone piece about discovery and how we are searching for others that we find ourselves along the way which again there are many films about that but it's a beautiful film about that i really really liked it and it has maybe the best opening credit sequence of any
1: film this year oh god that sequence is so good um song is brilliant but even before that i saw this movie at, at sundance this year and when just like the first opening of the movie and that very opening scene which is i think is a great opening it's a really beautiful scene that scene of them taking photos together Mm. um but i was immediately very taken by the music and i like immediately was like oh who did the music for this and then in that opening credit sequence it says that riwichi sakamoto did that opening song and it's just i and koganata talked about it after the the movie and he was like we wanted him to do the whole soundtrack but he was unavailable but he did want to do some music, yeah. so he provided that one song. Turns out we wanted basically the greatest composer of all time to uh, do some soundtrack. <laughs> Turns, yeah, I mean, I, me, I also, I also <laughs> want that. <laughs> Always want more from Sakamoto, who is yeah oh, one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah, um, totally, totally, totally. No, like you said, the the way that it it's not necessarily looking for that grand answer. Like a lot of that sci-fi that that does these kinds of things, mm. does feel like it's looking for some sort of like finality. Like it has something specific that it wants to end up at where I think this movie is really just more interested in like the process of having those thoughts and like trying to figure that stuff out. And yeah, I think ultimately it's like, that doesn't necessarily matter where you end up because it is more in that, that process of it. And you know, I I love the way that the movie plays with, with memory and stuff, which I think is something that not enough movies do, um, especially I would say in sci-fi, like there are these movies that have these questions, but I think memory often doesn't come up enough
0: it goes back to i think maybe my favorite thing in science fiction so to to be again myself and only myself to make a a reference to an obscure video game Um, one of my favorite video games actually of all time but of the last few years definitely is um, outer wilds um which is just a perfect video game that deals this idea of that we are very very small in the universe and that is overwhelming right. but our smallness is part of a community of largeness and the things that we do build up to the things so like there are things that come before that shape who we are and we'll never know what those things right. are but we're still shaped by them therefore the things that we do still very much matter and it's a very different like scope for that kind of story but the way it explores memory towards the end of After Yang of memories doesn't have any more memories that passed away but those memories still exist as moments happen things happen before we laying the foundations to things in the future I, I always find that so beautiful of like we are building things for people we will not know and it still matters what we do finding meaning in the meaninglessness it goes back to everything everyone yeah. wants is so brilliant again like find the, the overwhelming is actually where meaning comes from
1: not where meaning yeah. is no, absolutely. wiped away actually the what I was what I was thinking about when you were talking about all that the movie that I think does that really well is Memoria as well like that kind yeah. of that yeah, smallness yeah, yeah, yeah. and the stuff that came before that you're not going to understand or never will understand and how it still affects you and all that another movie and that I think I'm is brilliant. not saying
0: this is a joke also zeros and ones genuinely <laughs> Zeros and ones, which will come up a lot this a, episode i think has, yeah it has a lot about like the clarity in, in, in things that are completely confusing and overwhelming and and finding joy and beauty where it appears to be yeah not. one of uh, the the best that's
1: great one of the best modes for filmmaking i think just yeah. one of the yeah. great things to to be about
0: sifting through the sands yeah. of chaos and making a sandcastle out of it um so that's after yang We have some more movies um let's start with the movie that i watched this morning ambu la
1: (laughs) you didn't like this movie which i'm not surprised at all (laughs) (laughs) oh
0: my god it's just uh it's impressive that he's got drone pilots that can fly cameras really fast but i don't like the aesthetic of flying cameras really fast it's really kind of like irritating it's not a great action aesthetic it's not like this kind of movie um I mean you are you are I go to you as like an an action guy like 70s 80s action this movie like should be a Friedkin style action movie this should be To Live and Die in LA obviously and it's got the bit in LA River at the end um or this should be um something like sorcerer like this should be like that kind of hardcore and that's not like zipping zapping cameras over the place that is like right having a camera that can get like that big practicality and having attitude but just like being like i don't know it, this film isn't cool this film is just irritating this film is just a collection of like tropes that it cycles between it's so contrived at the start in ways that don't even matter <laughs> um it references wider film but it reminds you that michael bay's only seen his own films <laughs> so it's yeah. like it would be a fun like meta joke of like him reflecting on his like loss of career but i'm like that's a lie <laughs> like you, you you continue to make wildly right. popular films so just stop peddling this false tv You've been making these films the whole time. Stop pretending that you're not. It is a bit of a throwback to the Rock, and I quite like the Rock. It is. It is a throwback to that kind of era, um, yeah. bad boys, even like armageddon stuff. um But it's also it has the MCUification of dialogue in it. It has like it quippy nonsense, which means its its tone is absolutely just awful. And I just didn't care. um I just didn't care at all.
1: It's fine, as you shouldn't. I think. I don't think the movie ever does a great job of like selling itself in any meaningful way um i think without the cops i i I think there is a there's a space for like a blend of that those those older sensibilities like you said like that 70s 80s style of action movie as along with like more more modern style i don't think this movie does that at all (laughs) not not to not to say that's ambulance um ultimately i kind of like ambulance to be honest like it's one of those I, I, things it, where it's
0: it is strangely likable i right. dislike it but i can see where it can be likable because it is just it's not hashtag different cinema my favorite kind of cinema <laughs> uh, but it is very much guy out there doing his thing and just so aggressively doing his yeah. thing and not caring that no one else is really doing that anymore
1: I, I think that's really what it is like i i definitely expected to dislike it i do not like michael mm. bay really um and you know coming out of it i was kind of like i think this is bad like i hate where it ends up the end to me is awful and there's so many things throughout yeah. it that i'm like i don't yeah i don't like this dialogue i don't like
0: it, and it has a real propaganda core to it of being like yeah the, it's, it's the most contrived thing being like you created this entire conflict for yourselves and I was like just like why is this entire film them unpicking the mistake of and and Right, it's not well. I'm picking the film. Is- there's so much
1: there that it feels like it could be something so much more interesting and so much better, and obviously yeah. it never does that. And so it's like, realistically, I should not like this movie at all. But I think ultimately, I'm like, yeah, the kineticism and the, it is the, the forward thrust of it all is interesting enough to me and even though there are moments of just abs- complete absurdity i do like jake gyllenhaal as a character in that movie yeah. yeah i
0: like i like him i thought like both the two main leads were, were, were yeah. really good actually even if they're not written well at all i think the the paramedic lead i think she suffers from the writing more than they do because yeah. like her character feel just, they can
1: transcend is nothing
0: yeah they can transcend their writing because michael bay can write dudes being dudes yeah. um, michael bay cannot write women being dudes and is trying to write women being dudes and like every now and then she's like so i'm you know she's like her like i took speed monologue or something like this again it just also yeah. feels like there's there as is, there is a joke <laughs> for the movie i'm like it's just yeah um grim i think where i really lost it at the film is when she they just could they complete major surgery in the back of an ambulance just because they can and they solve it by using like a hair clip or something I was like you're not even like trying like it's, at least it's try nonsense. to be it's some nonsense. degree of plausibility <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll say the cops see <laughs> yeah, that's ambu s as it says proudly in its
1: credits but in the reverse of based that, on a french movie <laughs> i think what won me over was the scene where they're just in the front and he starts just playing christopher cross and they're just belting it out in the ambulance driving full yeah, speed down the highway
0: make more of the movie like that <laughs> oh I mean, absolutely it wants to, it wants to be heat doesn't it it, wants it does. to be that kind of it like really thing does. of like swapping perspectives around of like starting with a heist that goes wrong and being like work and like it even does that thing that um oh god like a, a weird comparison but um, that like Steven Soderbergh thing, like Logan Lucky kind of thing, like partly for a bit, we're bringing in this like corporate perspectives, like jump to, which I think Logan Lucky did brilliantly with, and he was just like, oh, I just don't need another Iron in this fire I don't care about <laughs> <Yeah>. them, <laughs> and it's like the the three perspectives
1: are not really wound well, together very nicely. It's not a good movie, but I get why people like it. God, just as an aside, I. I agree with what you're saying about Logan Lucky, but Hillary Swank in that movie is so bad. I can't stand that performance. Oh promise. yeah, no, no. She she, she, so she bad. is bad in it. the structure
0: is good. Like it's a well structured movie. But it yeah, makes no, me she, hate the end is, every time, but good. I do like
1: that movie a lot um, ultimately. Oh, Logan Lucky is absolutely exceptional. Oh Steve's side So that's, uh, he should go back to making movies <laughs> as soon as he retired. Um, so that's ambulance. What do you wanna what do you wanna do next? We've got two more on our grab bag here. I think we should end with the one that we both like a lot. Alright. So Cha-Cha real smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Um... (laughs) It's interesting. This is this is another one that I saw at Sundance. That these uh, these movies that I saw at film festivals are now finally coming out, and I can discuss mm. them with the actual with other people. <laughs> like you don't get god, that. God, that that that's how I feel every time someone writes a review of
0: the sadness, and I'm like, oh <laughs> god, yeah, that is a film that I watched at the festival, <laughs> and was like really shocked by and everyone's just like that movie is too much. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't like. Now it's got a reputation for that. Like that was slid into my inbox as like a screener, being like, here's a movie. They didn't know what it was, and I watched it. It's like, whoa, what was that? Yeah, I um, think.
1: I can totally see, I totally get liking it in that context, but man, I watched that and I was like, ooh, this is... New. I do not it's like that movie. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's and lot. it's, it's a got a good ideas about being a lot, and then it does only one mm. thing with those ideas, and I do not like yeah, that yeah, one yeah. thing, so... It does a lot, a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so as I said on a
0: Letterboxd Discord, I think that um, Cooper Rafe is just Jim Cummings the director for Soft Softboys. Um, <laughs> Which I, I mean, I said Mumbly Boys, but that's what I really meant. Um, <laughs> I'm I glad you come finally here to say watched... what you really mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally watched um, what it's released here in the UK is
1: freshman year. I watched freshman Really? Year. Is that really mm. what it's called in the UK? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I will say that's maybe a more coherent title, but it's also totally bland title. and doesn't, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> super forgettable. Um,
0: i really like House*. i thought Shit House* was actually really brilliant Shit house um, is wonderful. which i was not was not expecting to at all i'm really quite proud of what i wrote about it um i think that's a really really interesting film um and i was therefore very excited to watch cha-cha real smooth and i don't think cha-cha real smooth is very good at all um i feel it's just like oh my god it's just like i felt he really had something to say that was different about the college experience in yeah. shithouse or freshman year and i feel it's just that arc again but it feels way more entitled it feels way more pointless i just it feels way less self-aware about its character and i think even House got to that a little tiny bit of being a bit too kind to its characters i thought
1: cha-cha's cha-cha Ross move was way too kind to just i don't know just pretty pointless i did not care for it at all yeah it's interesting i think that's just kind of part of the way Cooper Wraith like directs movies like he's talked about a lot of people don't like that both of these movies kind of go out of their way to end on like an everybody's happy note but he's talked about how that he just likes to sort of have that optimism at the end and I, uh, and I get the it movie. Like... but I, I get that as well like I, I get both both parts of it um I like, I like the everyone's happy in shithouse when that really works
0: the bit I yeah. don't like in shit House is the like there's like a jump to a relationship that feels well, wish fulfillment and there's a way to get yeah. everyone happy without without getting that i feel cha-cha real smooth again just like sands its characters down to nothing and i think that cooper character character the center of it just isn't a character um there's very little interesting about them and
1: they're just surrounded by everyone else to make an almost plot happen he is i will agree he's much less compelling as a character in cha-cha and i i think probably if i revisited cha-cha at this point i would like it a lot less you know it's one of those things like you said like with the sadness Mm. like you see it in the right environment and you just kind of yeah yeah. you kind of are compelled to like it more and i think i was coming off the high of after yang and just like really being in love with that movie and this kind of had not similar ideas necessarily but like similarly emotional in a way similarly
0: like toned and like spaced out it is similarly like like it's not non-narrative but it is very much about just like moments right just quieter
1: yeah um yeah I totally agree like in Shit House, it does feel like a very different perspective that is not commonly shown of like the college experience of mm. just like being like especially american cinema like the college cinema is so focused on like just pure chaos and excess and like being rambunctious yeah. and there's not a lot that's like yeah it kind of can suck sometimes and it's really hard to find people yeah. and all that and i think for a lot of people like especially and you talked about it in your review too, but like, it just really connects and to see something like that that you have not seen on screen before. Um, And Cha-Cha, like it does the same in that what shithouse does for being in college. Like he's trying to do that for after college, which, you know, I totally get. And there's a lot that I do resonate with as far as graduating and then being like, all right, what do I do with my life now? But I also think that that's not, it's not, necessarily a yeah. fresh perspective like that's been seen before so many times
0: yeah yeah it's it's, it's very like early bound back or like Witt Stillman kind of thing isn't it I, I feel like looking back on my life I feel like like college slash university still exists as like a very distinct period and I know that when I left university I was like you know struggling way right. in the world that felt like a moment but looking back that doesn't feel like a period that just feels like yeah one of many, many moments, so it it, it doesn't actually have the yeah. the heft. I think a fuzz still close to that, maybe, but I don't feel it is actually a moment i don't feel like it's actually like an era because obviously college is externally socially defined right so therefore it becomes a, a, an episode in our lives and i just don't think that has that same heft i, I don't think it then just feels entitlements and yeah. i'm like i don't care about your experience here because i remember it's not an amazing film but i like it um captain phillips i watched at that point in my life um where i was just left university and was, was really quite struggling um and there's a bit at the beginning of that movie where they're talking about their problems and like it's hard to get by and then obviously they get thrown into a problem far greater i don't know like wider yeah. like international scale than ever before and, and it puts things in perspective and that meant a lot to me at that time being like there are things that matter so much more and other perspectives can be much more important than your own it's very easy to get like caught up yeah. in that and i think cha-cha is caught up in canonizing an experience that doesn't need to be
1: repeated and like cinematized that much i just don't really care I think that's a really good way to put it, like that it is like not necessarily where like you look at the college experience and that's very specific in so many ways of these are the things that are like almost guaranteed to like happen to some degree, whereas you look at post that experience and it's not the same thing and that even if there is a sort of a pervading feeling, like those experiences are ultimately going to be so much more varied So it's harder to nail down, like, what that actually looks like because it doesn't necessarily look like anything. So, like, then what you end up with here is, like, this collection of things that don't necessarily speak to one specific moment, like you said. And ultimately, it does work for me, and I like the movie. I find it quite charming, but I I totally get that. It is
0: charming. It is charming. I just, I object to points about the relationship within it. I feel, again, it just goes back to, like, it's just a wish fulfillment thing. Um and the the verity of it is very much lost on me if he just like stumbles into this non-job job that's just like there as a cinematic contrivance it's just like yeah. there like i do this now and like in the drinking on the job stuff i also find very like it goes unchallenged is very uncomfortable and there's, there's a lot of stuff in it that it flirts with conflict and i often like films that flirt with conflict but don't engage in it that's a thing that i really enjoy in in so many movies um i wrote about um shortcuts which i think was just absolutely astonishing throughout the movie and that 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 is what that film is that film like pushes towards narrative and then just never does get there um but this one does that because there's nothing really there (laughs) fundamentally um and also
1: yeah i was like that actually should be the narrative like that this guy is a problem engage yeah okay yeah like you said like it doesn't it is much less challenging. Like It, it lets him get off too easy for, for some of the stuff that he's done there. I totally, totally do agree yeah. with that. But that's Cha-Cha Real Smooth. We've got one last movie that we are both yeah. very excited to talk about. I watched Flux Gourmet <laughs> yesterday. I'm so um, glad it's out. I, I'm
0: so glad it's out. I love Peter Strickland so much. Peter Strickland was like, Pierce Rickson and Ben Wheatley were early, like, I like different filmmakers for me, of like, Independent British voices making just like strange cinema. Like I remember, right. like stumbling across Kill List and then going from that. So this is the weekly stuff. Going from that to a field in England and sightseers. I mean, like this stuff is just is just different and cool and brilliant. And then I discover Sound Studio, which the Strickland movie, which was just wonderful way and was not really into euro horror at that point so that seemed seemed so bizarre to yeah. me i know you went you went you had the opposite trajectory yeah. of like being more into that like 70s italian horror and then thinking about that i was just like i yeah. film like like what what is the equestrian for what is this stuff like how are we right. made this way <laughs> absolutely brilliant and then duke of burgundy is still of my absolute favorite movies um i love his short films i think gu
1: oh 14 G-O- yeah gu4 yeah. i think is right yeah is... Have you seen that? Yes, I did. I watched it pretty recently. It's good, isn't it? It is it is very weird. And, I mean, it's just like, it's very, it's Strickland distilled down into like, you know, four yeah. minutes or whatever. And it's like, it gets all those ideas without any, you know, narrative or it's just, it's fascinating. it's, oh, god that is something really and i is. get
0: we don't like it but it is really something and then you've got obviously from then you've got in fabric which i love more than i mean people love in fabric but i love it more than most people <laughs> i just think it's just utterly astonishing to think about it so so often still and i thought cold meridian was just such an interesting distillation of his ideas once again Yeah, cold meridian's um, really cool yeah he's just such a fascinating filmmaker i, I heard a quote from him read a ready quote where he's just like Along the lines of, I like that there are British filmmakers out there doing big productions. I just have no interest in that. I'm like, yeah, yeah right.
1: hell you yeah. you want to see just, the, that, just, it's so, like, that weird stuff that's like so dedicated to like, its own style, mm. it's not beholden to anything else. Strickland does such a good job at that.
0: Yeah. And um, Flux Gourmet, as, as you have alluded to in the past, is a film that feels almost too directed to an audience of specifically me and by extension you of like it is a, it touches on all the things that i love like it's it's it has that kind of like a razorhead surrealism i think like he, i've heard certain talk about a razorhead and i've said the story before of he talks about that the sound design and when he watched it the first time he fell asleep part way through it and woke up part way through it and he yeah. felt that added to the movie i'm like i bet that would add to the movie what a brilliant story um and again it's that just it like a razorhead um the best kind of surrealism works because it's about so many things it has a grounding so a razor head is about parental fears and about our place in the world and is very much about those things and flux gourmet is about art it's about the the ethics of art it's about are we in our art it's about living with illness in society doesn't understand that and those are very important things but it's also a movie about sonic caterers that perform (laughs) as part of a culinary collective and it's very much always about that it is dedicated to the surrealism as a reality in the same way that a razor and great surrealism yeah. is it is about itself and it is at a sub level about other things it is not just a message movie it is not symbolism for the sake of symbolism it is a slice of genuine weird that takes its weirdness so seriously and is compelling because it has a world and then gestures towards things that resatisfy really and they keep you thinking it's, yeah it's, it's,
1: it's a wonderful film yeah not and not in a strictly like structural way but like Strickland really reminds me a lot of Asias, Um and I don't know how well versed you are not, with, with his movies any. wow that's fascinating I think you would absolutely love um, mm. his films but like it really reminds me of that where like they both make these movies that are like you said like it is about this one thing and especially with Strickland like it's yeah. often something really weird and just kind of out there um, I mean like Demon, Demon Lover is like about like warring hentai studios like it's just so bizarre but then like without like you even noticing it becomes about something completely different Mm. and you're watching the whole thing and you're like man this is weird and the whole thing is weird 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 and you finish it and you're like wow that was really weird but then in like those hours following the movie like it just all that stuff starts to like seep through the mind and like it just gets more and more interesting the longer it sits with you and that's just it's exactly what I love it's just stuff that you don't even, it doesn't even really come to the surface while you're watching it, and then it's just, like, afterwards, it's like, oh, that all came came through without me even noticing.
0: I think it's because Strickland treats surreality, or surrealism, to be actually correct, <laughs> um, with, with like, kitchen sink realism. Yeah. Like, these are, like, I really love, it's it's such a clever framing uh, in this film of, it does like, I always love on a film, like a lunge of a character that is as new to the world as yeah. you are, but then also has things that right. that you don't know. So it never gives you too much information. It gives you a right amount of information. We are learning along with him. But then you realize part way through that maybe he's being lied to as well. So yeah. you start yeah. to question like we're being told because again, it's, it's about performance. Um, but the characters within it are very like dry, deadpan, commonplace, kind of just like ordinary people. And I love the framing of the interviews, was able to talk very prosaically, and it's that juxtaposition of like prosaic, banal conversation about the most nonsensical <laughs> stuff. I I stopped it for a bit, and I played Emma one of the monologues about someone talking about how they got into culinary performance because some kind of to short because their teacher ate a cake and died. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> such this drawn out monologue, and you're just like, what is this? But yeah. it's it's the
1: commitment to reality it's so realism. well yeah like it's totally just like commits to like structuring itself around giving all of the individual characters chances to just basically like talk at the camera like between one it does like those just like interviews but then it also has like these dinner scenes where like each of the characters is like forced to tell a story and it's just like it's very lantum right it's so like weird but it also like you said like it sells it so well it's just the reality of the world and you're like all right i'm in
0: Oh, and i find them all so funny oh, yeah. It's uh yeah I,
1: I just found him so
0: funny throughout the whole film and it's it's really good it's, it's written in a very cohesive way of, it, it's very like wordy very word heavy but it also knows which character to give words to and which to rob yeah. words of and to have that as a dynamic. And it, it manages to be different voices per characters. There's a doctor character in it who just like <laughs> has like Wes Anderson film ability to like raise an eyebrow and just be hilarious. Man. But like every character has a distinct voice, but the film has its
1: own voice. It's, it's, it's brilliant. I Flux Gourmet and as you can imagine one of the best ones the seeing this with a crowd was like such a wild experience it must be bewildering it, it was like and you can kind of just feel like who is like on board and just like totally yeah, gets yeah. it who is like what am I watching right now but there's still like that the humor that just comes through for everyone like everyone was having a great time I think with that stuff it's funny it's, it's, it is it's a funny
0: film it's beautiful I really love the um if you're not saying again, I cannot spoil this film to you because it's just a collection of just like moments over time. Um, but there's this repeated motif of shopping performance, oh, performance yeah. of being in a supermarket, and. They're really gripping because it like I know, it's... It, it, it links into the wider view of performance of the film that all of our lives are performative right. and the way that it shows that our little interactions because you keep seeing it's like yep that in the supermarket yep I do do that and that's why I do that it, it really gets to the core of like life as performative right? whilst not being the lecture Goddard let's talk about yeah. art movie about that whilst also being like
1: stupid little movie about performance <laughs> art cooks yeah and it's like love it It's like the satire works so well because it's like the characters are like these sort of like insufferable artist types, Mm. but they're also like they are also like kind of charming and like interesting and fascinating. Like you never like hate them outright, but you're like, God, these people are so annoying. But you also like. It knows that we love that. Yeah, it
0: knows that, uh, and and he's the perfect foil. And to would not be myself about this like. um Genuinely, as as someone who, who does have a, a diagnosed bowel condition, this film, not only taking that seriously, but being very much about that yeah. for the whole while and being very much about people's reactions to so much of this film was about how we always have an audience yeah and we are always thinking about playing to an audience and it's showing that through like li- living with illness like yeah. living with a condition and what what that means especially in the like highfalutin supposedly open world of art and it's great that these artists kind of be open but are all just liars and this guy
1: is actually very very open but feels very repressed and false it's it's uh, what a movie i mean it's kind of like you talked about with like magic spot where it's like it just it takes us one thing. Thing. And it seems like it's so minor, mm. but like it just normalizes it in a way. Like, and yeah. then it's yeah. like that's what cinema needs is like stuff like that. That's just like these little things where it speaks to very specific people, and that's important, you know. Like, yeah, it seems weird when you're watching it, but you know, it doesn't matter to you. It matters to someone else that you know can can look at that and it reflects on their own experience. And it's, and it's a
0: great conflict for parts of the plot. And it like, is just like it's and again, it's a great idea of like him having a flatulence issue linking with them
1: being <laughs> obsessed with like. The performance yeah. of food and taste and uh what well, well, yeah. Peter Strickland, keep it up. Yeah. please watch Flux Gourmet, it is the best. And watch every other Strickland movie because he is a fantastic yeah. director. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a thing. Speaking of fantastic directors. David Cronenberg.
0: The father of Brandon Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah. Um, <yes>. David Cronenberg. <laughs> um, from from the father of visionary director, Brandon Cronenberg, <laughs> comes <laughs> Crimes of the Future Two.
1: Yes. I have not watched the original but you watched the original oh, oh, beforehand yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, I have seen um, every Cronenberg film um,
0: apart from some of his shorts we've lost access to one of his shorts I've not seen though I can, I think it's on YouTube it's, okay. it's about an Italian bike um, but I haven't seen M. Butterfly, I've watched half of it and I've stopped watching it because I was bored, so I feel like I have seen M. Butterfly um, but yeah, David Cronenberg is just I think I have more of his film was like rated higher than maybe any other director maybe like him and Varda are the ones mm-hmm. that just like consistently just just hit completely with me um i love that his oeuvre kind of like comes and goes in phases yeah. if he just goes just worked with Viggo mortensen for a while and now he's back with, with vigo mortensen for a bit um his career has stages in weird ways but then also feels very Cronenbergian the whole way through yeah. it just again has an adjective for a reason
1: just absolutely the best so talk about david cronenberg you love david cronenberg obviously Cronenberg. I mean, everyone should love david cronenberg um mm. i the first first cronenberg movie i watched was the fly um which maybe
0: the same actually
1: yeah that wasn't too long ago you know because i've mentioned before i haven't been into horror for a hugely long time but I've, now i'm just hugely into yeah. um so yeah i think i started with the fly and then videodrome and then kind of mm. didn't watch too much for a while but i think it was honestly probably when i started talking to you and just like cronenberg started coming up so much more and then i started watching more um you recommended me crash which i watched and which is it's phenomenal <laughs> it is an amazing movie <laughs> just... um, and then mostly i've watched a lot of them in anticipation of crimes of the future i just kind of impromptu decided to do like a little bit of a marathon Yeah, Um, and watched through a bunch of them, and it was it's such a fun experience. Like because like you said, like there are like those phases and different modes, but it all feels so distinctly his. Like he's a really interesting filmmaker in that way, and I yeah I think I pretty much like everything that I've seen of his. Yeah, I
0: mean, I mean, I. There are films of his that, that I don't like, unfortunately, but they're they're very few and far between. And like, I know I watched Fast Company finally, and I realized there's a reason why I hadn't watched Fast Company because it's just <laughs> I don't know if you're really in if you're really into funny car racing, you probably really like that movie because it okay. like really commits to being about that. And it turns out that Cronenberg is actually really into car racing,
1: but hard to fit that into most I'm of his not. movies. <laughs>
0: Well, that's the thing i, I mentioned that in my review of it of being like there's a sense that Cronenberg is actually really good usually at translating his fascinations right. to the viewer because his films very much are about obsessed fascination and uh fast company does not do that <laughs> fast company does not um, transfer the love of, of funny cars way I, I got to say the word funny car a lot i didn't know that funny cars are a thing funny car racing <laughs> they're called funny cars it's great funny cars um yeah, yeah. um so the original Cross of the future is like put with stereos these like two early like pseudo shorts about an hour long each um they are i think they're really cool. worth watching they're not very good but okay. they're really worth watching as like purely what if you took away all of like the personality of a cronenberg work and you took about took away all like the narrative and like character stuff that he's got very good at okay. i just stripped it down to just like raw impassive view of the world and huh. they're just that it is just like modernist settings fake documentary stylings talking about fake institutions that are doing weird things it is the most rawest observational science fiction um they're really quite boring but in that kind of like purposefully boring kind of like procedural way okay. they're really interesting um they are only about themselves and only about of like speculatively fiction presented of fact stuff but i do think they're worthwhile and they really captured like he's got a, a great visual eye from the beginning and he's really good at creating like unease and sterility um even without yeah the imagery that he has now in crimes of the future which has like some really extended body horror sequences that are awesome so i do i do recommend those early films what i really yes. recommend is crimes of the future
1: yes Primes of the Future is so great, I it is, mm. and I was so glad. Like I don't think there was a whole lot of me that like didn't think that you would love this movie, but like you know, there's always like, oh, maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. Yeah. And I find a way sometimes. It right, <laughs> but so I was so glad that you that you ended up loving this because it is just amazing and it's totally like the perfect kind of way for like his whole career to sort of coalesce into one movie in such a Mm. fascinating way yeah
0: yeah yeah. it's got a bit of everything in it it's and it pulls from weird directions i don't know like i think visually it obviously pulls a lot from naked lunch and existence definitely which is a very interesting period of his career and like a two i mean naked lunch is only underrated because it's hard to see and it's not very well it's not very seen as a film uh, it took me finding it at the cinema as a reissue to actually get to watch it it's 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 not been put out as much as it could have been and has like fallen behind existence you can like i bought a dvd off from a charity <laughs> shop like 10 years ago it was like a weird buy and was like blown away a bit by it cause it's hardcore as hell there's a bit of a, a neglected period of cronenberg which i nice see seen bring bring that yeah back i about. mean
1: it's like almost unfortunate because i think Naked Lunch is my favorite of his, um, especially that I watched recently. It's just so fascinating to me, but it's, like, also that kind of mirrors, like, the two movies, like, Existence being so much more accessible, like, it is also, Naked Lunch is so weird, like, it's just (laughs) phenomenally weird, and I totally understand why most people probably don't like it, because it is just completely (laughs) weird, whereas Existence is much more... Main not mainstream because it's still Cronenberg and it's still very weird, but it's like it is much more of like yeah. just kind of crazy horror and it takes in like that sort of cool futuristic stuff.
0: My favorite thing about Exist Ends is it's a film that it's a film about video games and it feels like David Cronenberg made the film after someone half explained the video game to him once while right. he was half listening and he was just <laughs> yeah. like, "Yeah, so where can I get penetration into it? Got it." Anyway, moving
1: on. It's, it's so just, bizarre. Just, it's such it continues a weird, in that mode. It's such a weird yeah to be about video games like if you watch that yeah i don't know how it's like it's it's really not in a way like basically he listened when he heard
0: someone say you plug controllers into things he's like ah so things penetrate things i can make a movie about this (laughs) and thus he did have you seen spider or Rabbit? no i have not and these are like weird pulls for me i feel like the the concentration on the person as like this kind of like fractured confused thing i think links to um spider quite a bit i re- i need to re-watch spider because because a a friend of mine posted a very persuasive negative review of it oh, okay um and i was like i really love that movie so maybe i'll revisit it and think differently but again it's really good at like subjective like decay of a person yeah. and a lack of understanding around them um Rabid is the obvious kind of link for me here because Rabid is about, like, a... I mean, you know what, what Rabbit is about. Rabid, someone has a bike accident and gets surgery and through surgery are accidentally given a new organ <laughs> that makes them into a weird, like, <laughs> armpit vampire. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, like, they got a spike that comes out of their armpit and they therefore realise they need blood from people. I really love the Sasuke sisters um, remake of Rabid, which is hugely underpriced. The movie absolutely rules. Um, but, yeah, just... Cronenberg's fascinations with bodies right. um, comes back here in a major way and um, for me writing about this this is very much, on one level a film about um, bodily fears yeah. of this sense of being old and losing control in the technological age but also feeling out of step with the technological right. age, which is interesting with Cronenberg because he was so in step with it for a long time but then you know things push past you. There's a the sense in this, and we'll talk about this later, with like body horror as a motif, of the body horror in this is often like the horror of your own body decaying in front of you yes. and it doing
1: things that it didn't used to do that it now does and you you losing control over it well and it's also like it's this combination of one you feel like you're losing control of your body so then how do you then turn that around and at least you know even if you're is it, even if it's like an illusion like how do you give yourself the perception that you have control of your body and in this movie it's like he does that through creating and like this artistic performance out of it which then also turns into yeah like this thing about you know art like even going back to Flux Gourmet like it's this movie about art and how artists deal with art and you know what it does for them and so it's also it's so many things like then it becomes like this sort of meta thing with David Cronenberg as an artist and a person who is getting older and that's even before you get to like all the environmental and political yeah. aspects Yeah, well, yeah it get the, like... the,
0: the environmental political aspects i think are really really brilliant actually um it's a film that's both incredibly blatant and also incredibly subtle yes. i think it's 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 an unsubtle film that finds subtlety in the layers of the leaf. it is so obviously about certain things but in a very powerful way like he's very good at being a visceral filmmaker yeah. he uses viscera to create like actual responses of this is obviously and doesn't pretend not to be David Cronenberg's film about David Cronenberg and like struggling in studio systems Of, I, I turned to Emma and I started watching it she didn't watch it with, with me I mean she, she likes Cronenberg but like she was not in the space to watch a new Cronenberg movie um, Fair enough. and I paused it and I said you know you're watching a film from a beloved auteur when you've sat through like 10 production logos. Because <laughs> that sense of, right. they want to get films out there, there's an audience, but God is it yeah. hard to get funding of being like bam, 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 bam. And that's, you know, people don't want to make Cronenberg films. When I went to see the Soska's um, remake of Rabid, it was hosted by them at a film festival and I spoke to them afterwards and they would been speaking with Cronenberg um, and that he was actually working with them to get a bit of like outreach stuff done And Cronenberg... So they told me... They shouldn't have told me this, but they did. um, That he was working with Netflix. um, And it just, like, fell apart um, because, like, all kinds of differences. And he was going to... I mean, I've I've read his novel. His novel's really, really good. He was going to adapt, like, his own novel at a point. um, And that didn't come together. And there's that sense of, like, people want to have the name David Cronenberg but don't want a David Cronenberg film and like they're like oh you're making a Cronenberg thing we don't actually want that we want to be putting out the next David Cronenberg and And this film is about that
1: yeah it doesn't surprise me at all that he would then ultimately not go through with something like that like Mm. obviously like you said like he wants to get funding but I'm I can only assume that if someone asks him to compromise his vision in any way he's just like yeah that's not gonna happen which of course he can't work but then with he's that also place.
0: self-aware of repetition oh like, yeah this film is a play the hits montage this film is so like it's not called crimes of the future for no reason like even though the film is about just like future crimes and yeah. like how there are things that will be crimes in the future that don't even exist yet which is a fascinating concept things will be criminal in our future that don't even exist to be things yeah. yet um wild um but it's also like that's another one of his films and this is him doing body horror again right in ways you kind of recognize it again in a pain kind of way of like it's a performance look at me look at this like it literally takes the body horror bits and goes this is an art
1: show here i am david kronenberg playing the hits this is what you want this is what you want right this is what you want (laughs) yeah i i like that there's even like this sort of like smaller meta commentary like there's that scene with the guy with the ears and Mm. vigo mortensen like goes out of his way to talk about how like this that was just like, felt like a weak imitation and it didn't actually mean anything. And It's like, what are you trying to say here, David Cronenberg? You know, like, I I love that. Like, he, it gives him such an opportunity to play with so many different things. And it does, it's interesting because, like you said, it does feel like a greatest hits thing, but it also, it never feels... Very dourly. Like, very, like, self-hatingly. And it's never like, (laughs) like... It is... It's never over the top or, like, explicit in a way, I guess. Like, it's more like, when I was writing my review and it's like, I was writing, like, sort of yeah. what it kind of pulls from as far as his own filmography and like i just kind of kept adding things i was like wow it's like certain parts of this just feel like almost every one of his other movies but in like the yeah. best way like it is like all of that coming together but you can feel so much of that yeah. other work yeah
0: especially if that like 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 the idea of like bodily attraction stuff is very crash of that oh, sense yeah. of like the core of crash being when we've done all these things what is left and now what the right. like we've pushed humanity to extremes and then what's left for us can we even like feel anymore this film is is that in the future like if, if crash was for like the the turning point of like the 2020 20, 21st century this is very much that kind of like malaise for now projected in the future but what i love about this film because i do think it's brilliant is that it is him doing those things again very much reflection about this is what you want for me and it's the only thing that you want from right. me. i've made different films but i'll only have to be remembered for this and it also kind of like explores him as kind of like a fraud doing that yeah. of like am i even doing this anymore who's actually doing this and like the studio system the complicity there like having to get things authorized being imitated there's just you could push off any direction and talk ages about it there's, there's worth there but we don't have the time for it but then it puts in this really new way of the film that it ends up being yeah. about how oh god what it ends up being is just is utterly amazing and, it, and it, it very slowly becomes this it reminded me of the power of the dog act that sense oh yeah it was at the end i was watching a different movie right. and i didn't really realize that of yes it's about body horror and performance but it's actually about how institutions exist to suppress us and our expression yeah and the there are steps forward, and the fears we have about our bodies decaying are capitalist fears, yeah. <laughs> our systemic fears, and are pushing us. And actually, we could adapt and get better, but the system won't allow us. It will pejorativize us, and that links back to studio critique. Right. And it's like, and it's environmental stuff about like people being like he because his older films are about like do have environmental fears and like fears of like virus and science and this has that fear of being like well now all the plastic that's within us of what they find microplastics anywhere this is a film of like fear and paranoia that also understands that it's institutions that get out out of this and commodify it and and i'm bringing everything back to this recently because i read it so recently because it's brilliant that mark fisher book about the sense that of false countercultures of capitalism has made a space in which anti-capitalist art can be performative in a way that does our anti-capitalism right. for us but doesn't actually do anything and mollifies us and he thinks he's this great underground thing but is only ever in that space and then realizes there is actually a progression in a future way of breaking that system but he'll
1: never lead to that
0: and it's oh the ending is incredible
1: yeah like he's just a part of something that's like so much bigger and so much, Mm. like, it reminded me a lot of First Reformed, like, the environmental aspect of it. Like, I thought of that a lot, and especially um... Especially because there's, like, those sequences where he's talking to the guy from New Vice, which is, like, such a cool, like, he just came up with, like, a cool term, and it is cool, but it's so great. So cool. Um, but he's talking to that guy in, like, that rusting shipyard, and that, just the imagery there especially reminded me a lot of that one specific scene in oh. oh. First Reformed, but also the, the wider environmental applica- um, implications, I think, are, are similar. But yeah, it's so fascinating, like, the way he plays with all those ideas, and... It does. It is like it becomes something else in like that final scene, and it is. It's like you didn't really realize it was about that the whole time, and. Mm. But visually, it definitely is. You're right. right. Like the motifs that run through us and like it's because because
0: they seem just Cronenberg things. Yeah. The idea of like these decaying fleshy things and like rust hulks. It just seems like it's a Cronenberg film. He's obsessed with surfaces and decay and, and and disease. Yeah. I've often heard it like spoken about that he like. That Cronenberg likes the disease and like fronts the disease as the main character, and it very much is that like right. scientific interest in humanity. But with this film, Cronenberg is just like I can do that stuff, but I can. There's still room here to push in different yeah. directions. It's still such an such an open thing. It's it's not like this
1: is unknown for him, but it's it it does feel new. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I just yeah the idea that like that really lingered was like this idea that like the institutional oppression of like an evolution that we. Ne- yeah. don't even necessarily know is happening is just like fascinating to me and then like that's like the end yeah. really solidifies that so well of like maybe we don't even like realize this is happening but like you kind of have to accept it it's like it's just so crazy like all these different mm. ideas Ugh. there's so many different ways like you said like there's so many things that you can go to and pull from and like each thread could be like its own entire thing to discuss yeah. like there's just so many different things to talk about about this movie
0: but that's all part of the tone as well of like this spiraling paranoia yeah. of
1: like this like pervasive
0: unease of you're never quite sure what anyone's doing i mean if i do i mean i do have critiques of the film i think um there's a great clip of cronenberg talking about crash at can and it's a very funny clip where he's where he is confronted quite rightfully on the the different portrayals of nudity in crash of it's a lot of female nudity right. but you know why is no one hanging dong and his great and like funny answer is it might even be him it may be an actor but he agrees with it is that he it says it's a question of geography that you know if people are having sex you're not going to see the penis and that's a it's, it's there's a good <laughs> gag there but also it's like but there are other things in your movie David right. like you can just and this film it it does a good visual metaphor it, we in the same way his most recent short film which yes nft bs aside is an interesting short film of like juxtaposing certain imagery imagery of decay and age it's an interesting visual to have the older vigo mortensen um put next to a lot of conventionally attractive and beautified female bodies but it it also chooses what it shows what doesn't shows and there is a bit towards the end of the way that it shows the dead body of an infant i thought was too much okay um and did not to be need to be framed in the way that it was there's, there's just there's the, there was a the wrong ickiness to okay. that especially considering the way that it framed naked bodies earlier and especially considering the way that it goes out of
1: its way to not show the full nakedness of Viggo Mortensen it always has him like you know which is bent around. interesting since Viggo Mortensen has definitely been <laughs> fully naked in Cronenberg movies <laughs> yeah Eastern Promises yeah, is yes. like all male nudity <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and a great movie <laughs> very good movie yes. um so yes, it's calling attention to these things, but I think it is it is doing them whilst it is calling attention yeah. to them, and there is there is a a disjunct in the presentation which ultimately doesn't help the film to be as mature as it could be, but it does help the ideas of
1: the film. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. um yeah, I mean, I just for me everything everything worked so well. Like I love and it's great. we talk we talk a lot about how it is David Cronenberg's zeros and ones, which I think is it is it is an apt comparison. It really is like these these movies that are coming out from these like noted and obviously um, Ferrari does not have the notoriety that Cronenberg does at least in, yeah, in a, it's in a, a different a kind of writing, right but you know um, yes, doesn't
0: he yeah ferrara, yeah ferrara never made a the fly yeah you know, like, there's not.
1: um but it's like these auteur directors like in their later years like just kind of getting wild with it but also like getting across such fascinating ideas in these like less coherent narratives it's so fascinating
0: reckoning of their place in the world and like it's just it's such a great thing of these films that are engaging with chaos in a different way than films i feel used to engage of chaos yeah Um, not in like jurassic parky chaos theory nonsense kind of way That jurassic park obviously rules um but yeah yeah, like this like again it goes back to the, the the yang conversation of like finding meaning like this is ultimately A film that has optimism in it, yeah, definitely. I think so. Doesn't fall into the trap of optimism of being like a mollifying purpose. It'd be like there are good things in this world, and the system will not allow them to happen.
1: Like it's a film that should leave you a little bit angry. Yeah, Um, it does. It's yeah, it's like it's a movie about the future, but it's so like realistically reflective of the time we're in now and like the things that we're dealing with now. Like it's fascinating the way that it does all of that.
0: Because like it's got stuff in it that's so like not new like pain as spectacle is obviously yeah. not new this idea of like pain doesn't exist as pain anymore so we just like do it to each other which is such a great like it's almost easy visual metaphor for the appeal of like horror cinema yeah. and interrogating that but because it's in this wider malaise of several other ideas it feels like a him tipping his cap to i did that before but i'm doing it again but it, it's it's still true it still works and it's still done
1: viscerally and like presented really importantly and just like yeah visually great it's almost like hell y and like the way that it presents like yeah. pain as pleasure and like especially in like yes. this world yeah. that's like so bleak that it's like all there is left like to just like to feel it all yeah. like it's really interesting i do love that next step though of pain is not
0: just pleasure anymore pain is art yeah. now of like that that does feel a distinct thing I, the film being about art is what makes it really interesting and in the end it not being about art the film being about like how art could yeah. obfuscate the reality as opposed to being about reality it's just really really good it looks great the performance is really interesting like the stilted brilliance yeah. of like um kirsten just performance is just really
1: really cool God, all the per- I, we haven't even talked about like the performances but yeah they are all just mm. phenomenal yeah Kristen stewart is like it's it's this interesting thing where it's like this is Cronenberg sort of you know talking about his own career but there's like this weird sort of side thing where it's like Kristen Stewart also doing like her own like sort of thing where it's like about her own career like it's just like in the middle of it it's so bizarre
0: yeah yeah it's 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 a reflective interesting different work oh hashtag different cinema different cinema people out there doing their thing we love to see it it's it's brilliant what I really like about it I, I, a friend of ours um, Luke who I've, who I've got a message from actually oh, as part awesome. of our email segment so I'll read that one out because um, he DM'd me it um, he, he ranks as one of his very very favourite Cronenbergs and for me it isn't and that's why I like it this reminds me of B-tier Cronenberg this reminds me of that kind of like of that Existent zone of that Cosmopolis zone of the this feels a bit grungier this feels like not as like bespoke and perfect this feels like it's trying more stuff it, it has that great b-tier feel to it it's that interesting I
1: really really like because like conversely for me like that's why i kind of in the same way like it is one of my favorites like i just think it's brilliant and i think that's why like because it is sort of mm. less polished in a way and like yeah yeah, yeah no, i agree i've seen a lot of like criticism of like it being this sort of rushed covid production and i can't greece is where i think they filmed it but like to me that's almost why it works it's like this weird yeah, sort of like forced production where like you have only like very limited setting and like it it ends up working more because of that for me i think yeah it, it feels like he's back in a very interesting part of his career where he was doing
0: less scene, more like open-ended stuff yeah um uh, it's 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 really really good. Uh, it's you know um, obviously go watch Possessor as well because like Brown and Credible's Possessor is just
1: yeah actually <coughs> amazing. I think we can talk about Possessor um, more later in uh, in a bit of in, in part of our email segment. I think we can we've got an yes. opportunity to discuss Possessor,
0: which I think we should we should lead into now. I think we should, really. yeah. let's
1: let's we'll get let's into get some your mail. Yeah. So first, um, this is not Cronenberg-related, uh, a bit of a separate question. But from Diego, yay, yay! Hey, Diego. <laughs> hey Diego, yes, friend of Stevens, he's been listening and now back. Now friend of yeah, he's,
0: oh, he's been messaging me a lot about this podcast. Hey Diego, hey, Diego.
1: Um, I've been binging, spoiling things as I convalesce from COVID, and I do feel mm. that it's displayed healing properties. Well, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Medically I'm glad that we can help. <laughs> Uh, Going through these, in the Northman episode, I felt the absence of a discussion that I believe would be relevant to throw back to. If Eggers were to be, in the near future, outed as a white supremacist, would you be surprised? Oh, God, I'm going to get in trouble! (laughs) (laughs) Because you you know my
0: answer. (laughs) No, I would not be surprised. I would would, would not be
1: surprised at all. Um... Interesting. I... I don't know. Like, I feel like an argument could could be made for both ways. Um, yeah. Which is probably you know we've already talked so much about the Northmen that was such a long podcast, so I don't want yeah. to necessarily get into it too much, and that's uh, easy to become a, a heated discussion, not necessarily between us, but more of a the wider implications. Can, of it, can but... I can
0: I make a distinction? That I think it's very important. I think there's a there's, okay. there's a there's a distinction between being like both of these white supremacists being like the outward in your face kind. And then also the harbouring beliefs that remain uninterrogated, you, you don't even realise, a part of the okay. white supremacist framework. Interesting. And I would not be surprised if a pattern emerges in certain artists' work that keep playing into this, where certain people have these underlying assumptions, in the same way where you look across Lars von Trier's work as a whole and you go, you're a misogynist like okay one of your films by itself will know but when i look at this you clearly have a way you have a fetish about women in peril and like how that creates drama and that is how it works and you like to degrade across your films and the art is revealing that so i don't know the the very apolitical historical view through which Eggers seems to approach research, and I'm speaking very candidly here because, you know, we have a degree of, like, reaching, you can't get in trouble for saying things. Um, I feel that approach to the way the past doesn't actually work can be a road to internalising certain narratives that, at their centre, are white supremacist. Um Would be my tactful answer.
1: I think, no, I think that's very well said, like, that there's this... It doesn't necessarily have to be this aggressive or radical outward belief or anything like that that it can be sort of unknowingly internalized and then the way that that ends up emerging in your work and I think there is a lot to be said for the way that that some of those even just visual ideas or presentation um, yeah. sort of comes through and yeah I definitely wouldn't say that you know I I can't speak to any of it being intentional mm-hmm. but and i wouldn't want to because that would just be speculation for no reason but i i can totally see where some of that stuff can come from uh so it'll, I, I mean it's like he's become so popular but he's still so early in his career it's like yeah. does that continue forward and become genuinely sort of dangerous or concerning or does it move away from that and yeah. he sort of start to realize and i think especially with the northmen like that discussion has been so widespread i think whatever comes next is sort of the opportunity to find out if that moves forward or if he sort of takes that and learns from it. So yeah, we'll see. Um,
0: yeah. I'm not saying that Eggers is a white supremacist. I don't
1: think. Yes. That. <laughs> I'm certainly not saying that either. <laughs> um, and then what brought us to part of this episode really enjoy the show. And I'm still waiting for that after Yang episode, which we've been teasing for several episodes now, which is the title I also thought was referring to Edward Yang. Yeah. So did I, I think that's probably said that. Did I say that? already have said that i can't remember if koganada said that that was still the inspiration for the name um i mean the guy calls might...
0: himself koganada like the guy is <laughs> and built he, on he filmic is, reference yeah
1: he is a a huge fan of classic cinema and stuff like that and he's just i koganada is such a fascinating person i would encourage anyone to he, just made, a, he made a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I even disconnected from his movies. Like he is such a fan of cinema, and just listening to him talk. If um, you have the Criterion Before Sunrise, Sunset, Midnight set, he has a short film um, sort of about oh. Linklater on there. It's really great and fascinating. Just like sort of this, he really loves. He has so much inspiration, and hearing him talk about it is really interesting. So I think he's a really interesting person. Um, oh, thank you! So. Shout out to Coconut. There you go. Um, and thank you for the email, Diego. I'm thank glad you're you, listening. Diego. So now, from Calvin, long-time listener, second-time emailer. Yay. Welcome back, Calvin. What do the spoilers feel is the best opportunity in body horror stories to tell more diverse and interesting stories with broader appeals to more unique audiences? And do you have any specific recommendations for films and scenes that really convey the sub-genres' ability to comment and reflect on body awareness and how these films reflect something larger about social issues? Fantastic gonna, question. That's a good question. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Vaughn speak first because I have a very specific answer. Okay, <laughs> I, I I brought up um I I kind of noted down just kind of some some body horror films that yep. that I like a lot and I think that particularly exemplify the genre i think it's such an interesting genre like i mean I, think, I love body horror yeah i think i mean horror in general has so many opportunities to dig into the human psyche and how we sort of tick and how our fears play into who we are as people and i think body horror does probably the best of any of those sort of horrors subgenres yeah. genres of like how do we reconcile with ourselves and yeah. like these ideas of our own bodies and how we end up feeling you know uncomfortable as ourselves and stuff like that and also what those ideas end up having you know like you said like wider implications and social issues like how does that all come together um so anyway a few few movies here um specifically more on the the social issue thing but i i was looking just kind of through some body horror and like what some of my favorites were but Mm. i think Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a really fascinating body horror movie, like, in in the sense that like it's not as much about sort of it's it's a very different mode than like Cronenberg body horror, but like it's not it's more this idea of like sort of institutional robbery of agency, and I think Mm. that's really fascinating. Like, it is that idea of like sort of societal collapse and how we are like. You know, moving away from that, and as sort of things move towards, like, I don't know, like, I'm not sure the best way to say it, like, capitalist excess in a way, I guess. yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. we are less of ourselves. Um, I think that movie does that really interestingly. It's a um, great take. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, I'll come back to that, because obviously I think you will have a lot of, not that movie, but actually I will mention Raw, because Raw is one of the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, you love raw a lot. Mm. Um, but yeah, just I mean, I do too. It's one of my favorite movies. But yeah, that's just great stuff. I think that's especially like raw also exemplifies like in your question, Calvin, like more diverse and interesting stories. Like that's such a a specific movie that I think is like the first of its kind in a way. Like there are not a lot of movies like raw in any way. No, and. It's such an interesting diverse voice that movie and it comes across so well. Um really brilliant film. I've got some more but i want to hear what you have to say
0: yeah i'm gonna avoid saying too much because actually i am working on a project at the moment that is just basically this so oh, okay <laughs> yeah i am working on a video that jack's going to produce which i'm going to title our body horrors and ourselves um, which is very much about the different ways in which primarily modern cinema um, conveys our relationships with our bodies through body horror so i don't want to give away too many of my ideas because they are still they are still <laughs> percolating uh, very much so um but things that i'll mention that are maybe on the fringes of this um i'm gonna give three um recommendations um Have you seen Revenge, okay. the no, alice, alice low movie
1: rules i feel like you mentioned that in our northman episode when we had a question about revenge movies yeah uh, probably so i think you mentioned it before but i have not gotten to it yet
0: yeah what if the body horror was a pregnant woman of that sense of like what do you 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 fear loss of your body as a way of like actually relating to i mean it also is about her being facing the of being a single mother um but it's also very much about what does that mean to your life going forward so like it's not scuzzy like body horror prosthetic stuff but it is very much the horrific sensibility right. it's a really good movie um, okay. now dare i say we're all going to the world's fair again like gets into ideas of like bodily discomfort and presentation and the idea that we can present a different body online to our actual body there's a really great scene involving tickets in that movie that really gets mm-hmm. um, that's a really good scene that's of tough. the sense of oh online personas and what people want and all kinds of things we'll get more to that And finally, because I've mentioned them a lot, um, the Soska sisters, American Mary. I really like the Soska sisters. I think they they get um, a little bit... We might have hate. Um, I think they're brilliant. Um, American Mary is a upsetting, content-warning, rape-revenge movie. Um, But it's also about bodily modification in a very positive way, in a way that um, Crimes of the Future gets onto a bit. It is about people that just go through what we'd classify as like extreme cosmetic surgery to make themselves look very very different as a way of like showing their bodies as performative the idea of like this sense of bodily performance the same way that we perform our identities every day and that as being like a concrete extension like a like thinking of your body as like a tattoo basically is the way it goes through of like a piercing it's a really cool movie it also does some stuff about how you can use the inverse of that how you can punish a person through modifying their body and like ideas around consent there um so yeah our our bodies as performative objects and how that agency can be taken from them but also how we we can assert agency for our bodies yeah um yeah it all goes back to me to the phrase flesh mechs which is a phrase that i enjoy Uh, we are all (laughs) just brains piloting flesh mechs and what a horrible way that is to exist in the world and it's what do we do with that and i love body horror because it it gets to our central we are not our bodies but we to an extent control them but only to an extent control them as we think we do that core relationship is so human and it is horrific it's a horror it's a horrible thing um there's a, a band i like a lot who are now called ajj i went to a concert of theirs and they debuted a song that became weirdly famous on tiktok for a while it's called body terror song um the live version's better than the studio version because the live version is just guitar just drumming and the chorus is just i'm very sorry that you have to have a body i'm so sorry that you have
1: to have a body <laughs> something wow. that will fail you etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah it sucks entropy yeah yeah yeah, that is, I mean, that is why body horror is, like, so fascinating. I just, I had a couple more written down, but, I mean, we did briefly mention Possessor, which mm. is uh, just a brilliant movie. The um, horror of
0: having a body.
1: Yeah, um, but then also, different but very similar name, Possession, also a brilliant yeah. body horror movie. Oh, oh yeah. Um, sort of, like, relationship body horror and, like, like normative, like, structure, like societal structures and like boxes that people are like forced into it's like, it's such a fascinating and like crazy movie um if you have not seen possession yeah, it possession. is one of the best possession's awesome to to go to two obvious films but i think to talk about them in a
0: way they're not talked about because i think they're often just seen as just like show pieces as okay. opposed to like the thematics is for the body horror but i think the thing and society are very much about using bodily transformation as a way of like and I'm getting to my notes here, so I apologise, I'm going to go over this again in an essay soon. This idea of, like, it projects, this is still a half-thought half, a half thought, thought, but projects our fears of what we think people actually like. It Like, we perceive certain things as being monstrous, and it, it, it externalises that monstrosity. So in society, right. The Last 20 Minutes is about what if the rich actually were a different alien species that actually did just, like, suck you into their, like, large, massive flesh. So what if the 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 horror was like it's, it's the they live kind of thing what if they actually yeah. are monsters of like using extravagant hyperbolic bodily expression and gore as a way of externalizing our fear of the evil inside and that evil outside and the thing is like i think that person's a monster what if yeah. they actually yeah. were a monster what if they started spurting out and things flying out of like getting into like cold war paranoia of confronting oh, yeah. us with our actual beliefs of beliefs of people um so that's my thought on those two which i think are often like sidelined as being just like yeah, special no, effects movies right. but
1: yeah and also well we're a little late now but happy birthday to uh the thing which was yesterday oh, the oh, the thing. yesterday uh, as of this recording. as of recording at least yeah <laughs> by the time yeah. this comes out we'll be a, a couple of weeks late but but yeah so thank you for that question calvin it's great question great question Um, I have a note
0: from uh, Luke here um, which I was going to read out verbatim Um, it's just his thoughts on Crimes of the Future Um, so Crimes of the Future works on so many levels for me with the performances from the main trio being quiet and contained you're all saying so much but the part of the film that I'll say is the best has got to be how it deals with this idea of the body changing despite only having a few scenes of extreme body horror which are all awesome throughout the film we constantly see people cutting into each other exploring this new sign of human nature it is very on the nose but it works showcasing us as a species that for once has no idea what is going on everyone is dealing with it differently from the performances we see throughout the film ear man being one of the most creative ways of showing this to the brutal opening of a mother suffocating her son who doesn't she doesn't consider to be human yeah, The other bit's brutal it's a brutally yeah. measured masterpiece come by a haunting score and it's one of the best chromebook has ever done i think you, you touched on a lot of the things talked about luke and that's such a great point there of it being yeah. like our relationship with bodies over time and like that there are new things and that body horror can be a way of our fear of the new our fear of the new is a very powerful fear our fear of change because it may invalidate us
1: yeah and i think that's that's why the movie is like so interesting Is it is like vigo's character is sort of like um and i will say i did want to briefly mention his character's name is saul tensor which is such a great name (laughs) i just really love that character name yeah Um, there's so much pulp sci-fi in this it's like there's so much like um oh what's he called
0: um the cyberpunk oh. writer. Um, oh,
1: I know. William Gibson. About... There's
0: so much like okay. romance, like William Gibson just like just like cool names for stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But anyway, like of... like Salt Tensor is sort of like caught in between these two things where there is this one side of the world that is like sort of rejecting this advancement in their bodies. And then there's on the other side you've got this small group of people who have like accepted that and have gone to the extent that they are like surgically advancing their own like evolution and vigo's character is sort of caught in between where like these people have to sort of like force it on themselves in a way but he is the person that is actually getting that naturally like it's this really great sort of um contrast between like these two things that are sort of at war but it's also like this sort of silent like it's never uh, it's just it's fascinating i don't want to jump back necessarily right into yeah the whole whole discussion yeah but it's such a great movie but some more cronenberg talk we have an email from carol hello spoilers long time listener first time reader here hope i'm not too late to get this one in you're not Uh, you sent it in just as we started recording But I'm extremely excited to see your next episode will be on Cronenberg's latest, and as a fan of both him and yourselves, in a recent interview, Cronenberg touched upon the film's prescient commentary on bodily autonomy being under threat by the state, specifically name-dropping women's reproductive rights and trans issues in light of the barbarous decision recently taken by the Supreme Court. How did you find Crimes of the Future's approach to discussing these issues? And there's more, but what do you think about that i think i mean Carol, i think that's, it... that's
0: a really good point that somebody should touch yeah. on. i
1: think obviously it's this this goes back
0: to, to go back to the flux A conversation like again this is a film that is about many things that percolate around but also is just like a hardcore little science fiction movie um which is why it's so great um yeah i think there's some there's some really explicit and really impressive imagery and i think the branding stuff the tattooing stuff in this yeah. of what begins as artistic expression and then becomes like a commodification of like state surveillance and observation of the way of like there's, there's um though i don't like the way it's presented to begin with like the visual of, of the child's body but the cutting open someone's body to find it already stamped and yeah. already used is such a great way of like showing just interference of bodies and people's right. bodies not being their own because i mean we just talked a lot about like how body horror reflects relation with our own bodies and it does but i mean carol that's such a great point of this sense of it's also about how other people interfere with ours and this is this is a film from the very beginning of people not having autonomy and it does that in an interesting way of like you've got um tensor who feels like He doesn't have autonomy over his own body because he's been made to feel that way. Yeah. Um, And then actually learning that that's not actually what it is. He doesn't lack that. It's not that his body's against him. So that links into the current dialogue about how well-meaning people can be, like, fooled by persuasive but really insidious arguments into believing things that are false about, like, the right to life or whatever, which is ultimately... A, a nonsensical argument that just like preys on people's like compassion and this was not quite that but it does go into how these regressive and forced views on what our bodies should be that there is a canonical idea of a body that can be a problem and it's male-led and this film is very yeah. much about that
1: yeah and i think like especially like the film does this interest this fascinating thing where it's like about like how the state like convinces people that they're in the context of the film that they're these sort of novel organs are inherently negative and that we need to get rid of them and it's just so that the state can then... like you said like steal them from people and take control of their bodies to then this so that the state can catalog them and research them for their own purposes uh, classification which, in yeah. general is such a fascinating i, I love films that approach because obviously i really like the idea of a
0: wider intellectual classification of like the, the wants to know more but then there's also the colonial wants yeah. to to conquer more to own more to survey and therefore limit and it, it really gets to that like that line there that this is not about widening knowledge. It's about like
1: creating control. Ugh. well, but there's also that's like amazing. an interesting aspect where like the people that work for that, um, that institution, like mm. they are more intellectually captivated by it. Like, yeah, yeah. that's how it they works, are, isn't it? But they, yeah, like they have to be working under this state sponsored umbrella to be able to like wield that intellectual fascination, but it's ultimately being pulled by like these invisible strings I mean, there's just yeah there's so much <laughs> i mean carol knows about
0: my job and stuff um quite quite intimately i will say um, <laughs> but I, I i feel this way about about my job a lot and have felt this way in the past about how like you get tricked into thinking that you're doing something important and novel and then you realize yeah. that you're just an arm of a state and like, it takes advantage of, of your enthusiasm of, of your intellectual right. curiosity and it bends it towards something. And it takes a while to realize it's being done. That's not always like that, but in the institutions we live under, cause we do live in proto fascist or completely fascist states. I mean, I'd say at the moment, the U S is a fascist state, um, with its, People supposedly in power having no ability to do that or not caring enough to not do that, right and the UK is not far behind or has been ahead in other ways. So yeah, proto-fascism is coming played out, and we are now just full-on fasc.
1: But yeah, great question. I mean, that's a, that's a, it is a really important aspect of the movie and an important thing to yeah. bring up. Um, but to continue, second question is: What are some of oh, your favorite yeah. non-Cronenberg directed body horror films? For absolute cr- clarity. I'm going to say that non-Cronenberg does include Brandon. No! I think, if, if, you, need, if you need a second to go through, and we did kind of yeah, briefly yeah. touch on this, um, most of the stuff that I mentioned would probably be in my favorites. I mean, I, I think probably Raw or Possession would probably be my picks there. Just two uh, films that I think are incredibly brilliant. Um, I think Raw in particular just is such an exceptional piece of body horror that does it in such a fascinating context that feels very real in a way that i think possession doesn't quite touch on um because possession has like sort of this alien aspect to it i really but... respect possession but i don't quite full-on adore it but i do
0: really really respect it i think it's, it's quite but, remarkable
1: yeah, raw i think is like so Real and immediate, and that's what just pushes it above the above the rest for me. Like as as far as the body horror movie goes. Okay, okay. all right.
0: All right. Um, so. Ooh, a tricky one um, because this is a, a beloved genre of mine I'm going to mention society again I think society is utterly brilliant and it's exactly what I want for those effects on that thing so that's Brian Usner which connects you to Stuart Gordon I think From Beyond Sorry. and Stuart the animator are just absolutely amazing um, Hellraiser from so much. Hellraiser is pretty much the greatest movie ever made um, like almost completely so uh, as I'm just like scrolling down and looking at things oh there you go man scrolls through phone what, what <laughs> gripping gripping content um, I think there are bits yeah. in Candyman that get to that really interestingly oh, I do yeah. think even in the new Candyman there are some great body horror ideas in it that are conveyed as body horror they don't coalesce with the wider film but are really really right. fascinating
1: um, love Candyman yeah. it's a great one
0: yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Tetsuo yeah. the Iron Man Oh, man,
1: yeah, that's a great yeah. one to bring up. Um, yeah,
0: what a the yeah. movie. Tetsuo the Iron Man, again, gets into all these themes. I mean, actually, Tetsuo the Iron Man would be a, an amazing double feature with Crimes of the Future. Um, yeah. They yeah. are similar in ways I had not thought of until now. So thank you for the question for me to point out. So yeah, I'm going to say, the Tetsworth the Iron Man, again, for those that don't know about a person becoming, like, has this, like... I it's got specific words for it because Metish, fetishes, words, that's it, the metal, word metal you're, fascist. You're, yeah. That's it. Of like, find like ripping in his skin and metals coming out, and then gets consumed. So it's it's like transhumanist again, body horror that can like link to like transhumanist ideas without being like gross about it. Um, because obviously there is some very
1: regressive stuff about that. It yeah, is, Tetsuo was like such a brilliant like industrial punk movie too. Like it's just like, oh, it's so aggressive. It's it's awesome. Yeah, brilliant yeah. music, just amazingly constructed great black and white photography yeah awesome movie oh yeah so yeah tetsuo the goddamn iron man um, <laughs> uh, do you have anything
0: else on this one or should um, we move on to the there's, final
1: there's, question there's, there's,
0: there's bits in like claddenese trouble every day that to my memory get a bit of that as well but that may be me um misremembering oh and um zombie um or oh, zombie Flash eaters to give the title is it's mostly called by which just has some some
1: of the grossest stuff that you will see <laughs> That movie is awesome. <laughs> I love, yeah. love zombies. I've been watching a lot of Fungchi recently. He is just the best. <laughs> I mean, and oh, the best in like being just vile and gross, but in a great way. I want to also call out one moment in
0: Nightbreed. Just one moment. David Cronenberg actually stars in Nightbreed, so therefore it's it's maybe two Cronenberg adjacent for you. I apologize. <laughs> I say stars. He's in it briefly, but where someone just like rips off their own face. That bit really
1: rules. I. <laughs> i like when there's stuff that the the listeners will never get to experience but like the look on the wistful look on steven's face as he talked about someone ripping their own face off
0: which again you know what malignant <laughs> malignant, <laughs> malignant. I great mean, movie.
1: it definitely falls under that umbrella love yeah. malignant great movie oh, um just love, i just love body horror Two final quickfire questions. One, having recently rewatched Existenz, if you could turn hey. one Cronenberg film into a mid 2000s PS2 movie <laughs> tie in game, yes. which would it be? It's oh. the perfect question for Steven, who seems like the most well versed person I know in obscure mid 2000s PS2 games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. Oh, Ooh, I need to think of the right answer here, though. This this feels like a question where there is a right answer. Let's get it. Oh. Mmm. I would absolutely play the Scanners game.
0: Yeah, Scanners... Scanners has that, like, PsyOps the Mindgate conspiracy vibes to it. There you go, for all you
1: you fans (laughs) of PsyOps the Mindgate
0: conspiracy. Um, The Dead Zone is another easy answer. I would... I would play the... You know, like, Japan does its own thing in the corner in terms of, like, video games, and now it's, like... Like, Japan's been doing, like, weird, like, visual novel stuff for ages. The Cosmopolis, like, visual novel game,
1: like, on PS2, like... (laughs) like parts of my persona would be absolutely fascinating i would definitely like any cronenberg movie turned into a visual novel i would absolutely play that so yeah cosmopolis the visual novel is what i get it's just you it's
0: i don't know if you played persona the persona games um igor from persona in his like um in his limo i'm just getting that the whole time so like persona 4 style (laughs)
1: cosmopolis that's great all right two so final question here between the two spoilers which one of you is which mantle twin what do you say? Uh, I would have to say that I'm Beverly. Well, see, I'm making, I mean,
0: God, it's, it's been a long time since I've watched *Dead Ring. I, I watched honest. it
1: recently, um, but and, um, yeah, I Beverly and Elliot, I think, is the other one. Yeah, um, that's it.
0: What, one of them walks with a rock issue. his shoe. I remember that. Um, that's <laughs> is that like how, he, how he, they differentiated? Yeah, oh, okay, no, that's how he did. That's how he, That's how he did the performance. Um, like with like had like a slight just a change the thing. Um, yeah, I like I mean, that. That's
1: it's... interesting. I didn't know that. Oh, that's such a fascinating movie as most Cronenberg movies are, but... Dead, Dead Ringers absolutely rules. Um,
0: I would like to say that neither of us are like either of those well, people. <laughs> Ultimately, yes. That's, they are not people to aspire to be.
1: Um, yeah, no, not But no if at I had all. to pick...
0: And also, I'm going to say, it takes a moment to be like, I love Dead Ringers. I absolutely love it. Um, Jeremy Irons is a prick. Um, he's a fabulous yeah. actor. He's an absolute prick. Yeah, I mean, that performance is amazing, but
1: yeah, not a good dude. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, the look up the things that he said about homosexuality. I know that um, our listener will be very aware of this stuff, is very informed, but um, wider people
1: may not Brick. Um, um, but final, a P.S., I just, I just want to add Somebody's to it's nice to hear a reference this. during one of the question segments, to even seeming like a good teacher. As someone who was taught <laughs> by him for a brief period, I can confirm that he is indeed one of the best to ever do it. Well, that is good confirmation. Oh, okay. I like um, to hear that. Yeah, Stephen has now name. confirmed a good teacher it's yeah, cannot, You have so it's, many it's teachers in can life you don't, know. You, don't, you don't know what you were taught
0: by you know.
1: <laughs> But thank you That means a lot um, And then finally our final email here From David I just yes. want to know both of your most controversial Movie opinions <laughs> <down some giants. laughs> We don't I mean, do <laughs> of mine already <laughs> Desecrate a classic or two What movies do you hate or love That everyone will condemn you for I must say, I, I was kind of looking through, it's it's harder for me, I know a lot of people kind of have their their ones that they pull out immediately that they've got, but I, I must say, I don't think of myself as a very, like, I don't have a, a whole lot of, I would say, controversial takes. I think that even the stuff that is more beloved that I am not a fan of, I think, at least there are at least a, no, a good enough number of people that would agree with me, but um, as far as stuff that I dislike, I, and Again, I know people. Some people do agree with me on this, but I am definitely alone, at least in my circles. But I cannot stand nocturnal animals. I think we talked about it on. Yeah, we have thought that this podcast briefly, I but yeah, it, really. I, I absolutely despise that movie. And part of me wants to revisit it because so many people like it, but I'm also like, yeah, I don't yeah. know if I'm. <laughs> I do not know if I'll ever do that. Um, one that I definitely have <laughs> have come under at least a little bit of fire for is I was not a fan of Nashville. Um. What? <laughs> there, there that was absolutely incredible. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was I yeah it was recommended to me in a raffle and I, I watched it and I mean there's a lot to admire there I, I can't say that I'm not gonna I'm not like it's one star it's bad I hate this movie but it just didn't come together for me I don't know what it was there's a lot of individual things that I liked about it but yeah as a, as a wider movie I just I couldn't couldn't fall in love with it the way that so many other people do. So I'll have to, I will have to get back to that one at some point. I'll have to watch some other Altman and then get back to Nashville. Um, I feel like I have too many to choose
0: ones. My problem. I think a lot of people <laughs> know, know too many of mine. I mean, I could go over the Suspiria thing again. Um, obviously, new Suspiria, but I think that's played out. um I think like the one classic that I really hate. Um, that's unsurprising is I think Dirty Harry is awful. Um okay. It's just well, yeah. fascist. It's probably not crap. surprising. Um uh, for recent stuff that I really don't like that people love, and I was very surprised to see they love this, I really don't like Ad Astra at all. Um I think Ad Astra is really boring and crap. Um it, it, for those that have not seen Ad Astra, Ad Astra is a film where Dad Astra is feeling very sad Astra, so he goes into space <laughs> to prove that he's very bad Astra. Um and the, result is a, done this and the result is a say. bad Astra because that movie is bad. <laughs> Uh, i yeah, like that sad Astra a lot. sad dad astro i just i hate sad dad cinema um i'm just against that i guess i like um i like that, I director James I Ray, about that it.
1: um i think that's the director i like him a lot uh, lost city of z also a very good movie i get it um, oh but once upon a time in america i don't like yeah one, don't like that movie at all um, is that in I, the top 250
0: yeah, 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 yeah. because yeah, I feel yeah. like
1: it is, but most of what I see about it is negative at this point in time. Um, yeah, I really
0: don't like that uh, the way it presents its characters. I mean, it, there's things like the Deer Hunter that I've been on on record not particularly liking as well. There's there's so many classics that I hate. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, um, I, what I about some like
1: stuff? I... What about some stuff that you love that is underappreciated or other people don't like? Uh, most Godzilla movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that's a little bit different though. Like that's not a. I don't think loving Godzilla is necessarily a controversial pick. Um, um I was gonna say I I'm, I mean I'm on record many times saying that I like every alien movie, but Alien Covenant in particular say. is one that, and you especially can't stand. That's absolutely, um, but I love Alien Covenant a lot. Oh, I am a Jurassic Park three defender. I found out recently. Jurassic Park three absolutely rules. It's been the longest since I've seen that. But we'll talk Jurassic about Park three. Jurassic maybe Park three episode. is awesome. <laughs> so I, I, am
0: Team Jurassic Park three. Go watch Jurassic Park three. You may not think it's great. It's absolutely great. Jurassic Park three. It's not great, <laughs> but it's
1: not awful. It's kind of fun. I need. I guess I need to rewatch it. It's the only one that I haven't yeah. seen in a long time. I rewatched uh, the Lost World not that long ago. Uh, that movie's real bad. Um, but again, we'll probably talk about that more on an upcoming episode. Uh, we'll see. I, it,
0: I think for both of us, we just have a, a very high bar for weird horror trash. So there are lots of movies that have, like, oh, yeah. loved one stars. Oh, my God. What's the what's the Nightmare on Elm Street that we both really like? That, uh, is it Dream Child? Dream right? Warriors? No, I think it's Dream Child that me and Jack Downey I mean, bought <laughs> really.
1: Yeah, I, I do like...
0: I like Dream Child. I, like I do like Four and Five no, quite Dream. a bit.
1: Um, oh, and Jason yeah. X. So,
0: speaking of David Cronenberg, you know what's a good movie? It's not a good movie. just a good movie? Jason
1: X. <laughs> David Cronenberg's in it still need to finish off the uh friday movies hmm. um they're good, but yeah i i agree with nightmare four and five those are both both good i mean they're not good but they're both great yeah. at the same time it's just like you know? know, it's like a montage of just like horror stuff yeah <laughs> i'm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've got horror montage um so yeah that's all our emails for this week thank you everyone mm. thank for you very much emailing in as always send any comments or questions doesn't have to be connected to anything in particular if you just want to say hi to us or be read yeah. read aloud on the show we will read it we have read everything yeah. we've gotten so far uh, thinking of spoiling at gmail.com um, I think it's probably best if we stop saying what we're gonna do next on the show because then Elvis. By the time <laughs> <Elvis>. <laughs> we, will, we will definitely be doing an Elvis episode we can say that definitively um, yeah. I movies you that you hear, hear about guess. in some capacity um coming up um you will hear
0: about whether it's a main episode or not elvis jurassic park or jurassic world sorry yes um, jurassic
1: world dominion yeah so you will hear about those i say with extreme malice in my voice for no reason at all not seen it yet up. <laughs> um yeah anything else that we that might get mentioned upcoming what's
0: i think this, is there stuff that i've missed i feel like i've missed it. i've been so busy recently that i've not been um, had light year came cinema. out oh yeah, yeah. so yeah I, I will i will see light
1: i but don't one think it's movie a whole episode but
0: from pixar that i would
1: have liked to come to disney plus so i could watch it <laughs> i know <laughs> now it's now, now it's in theaters only oh god um, and yeah I'd love the to have seen that Turning Red it the be, but, um let's see i'm trying to think of what else is in thor is coming out um, oh yeah talk about thor um, yeah seeing that this week um awesome. i'm trying to think of what else i don't think i mean that's probably enough to get us over till the next episode when we'll have a better yeah. idea of what else might be coming and, up so and some the weird stuff that we never know that's great that comes
0: out is always the best stuff
1: yes absolutely and we'll yeah continue to it's nice now that it feels a little more open now that we're doing our little grab bag at the beginning we yes get some more stuff in each episode yeah exactly um, Stephen, what have you got to recommend to the viewers this week oh crap i absolutely i forgot about this <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no um
0: if i watch recently i mean um uh, yeah you know what shortcuts why not um oh no corral i'm gonna recommend corral okay. um the i just watched some Fastbinder as well oh awesome yeah so running one of Fastbinder's corral his last movie um, tragically so um corral is just like Wow, <laughs> what a movie! Um, it yeah. does not care about plot at all. um It takes a story and just like shuffles it up, and is just about just in your face expressions, lighting, lighting of like yellows and blues. It is all about like this restrictive, like to quote Judith Butler, heterosexual matrix in which we cannot think beyond um straightness as a default and how that repression leads to a kind of like expressivity and like leads to kind of like the darker sides of expressivity. It is about male attraction and all male spaces and it is the like gayest, coolest, strangest, artiest, <laughs> wildest film. It takes place in a place um in I think France, the Port of Brest, which is funny that it's called that, um, where the side Look at the poster for Corral, and you'll think, "Is that guy leaning against a giant cock made of bricks?" Yes, they're just part of the set design.
1: Loads of them. All right, why not? Great movie, man. He's fascinating director. I, I Mm. I mean, it wasn't my going to be my recommendation, but I will just briefly shout out Fox and his friends, which I watched (gasps) this week, which is a phenomenal movie. Really great. Really like so so many things in that movie that I think
0: are so unbelievably perceptive that it oh, really yeah. gets on. That idea like Fox and his friends the film I always go back to for the distinction between wealth and class oh, yeah. um of the that kind of like idea of you can get yourself into the echelons of the society but you know to to paraphrase the the go between the joseph losey movie and the book like the past is a different country we don't go there anymore like the rich are a different species like we yeah. don't you we don't go there you can't go there it's a different country
1: um oh, right and it's like so good yeah that's interesting that you bring that up because it like it, that is really what it exemplifies so well like this fascinating like idea that like it is like the the main character that's like working class and then sort of contrasted yeah, against these, up of these upper class people but like like you said there's a difference between wealth and class because those people don't have any money and they're all I trying know, to exploit so him good. for they his money because no he has, money. has the money like it's yeah it's, oh, man what a movie really great the amazing just, movie, fast yeah, blender watch any and all of his movies it was Fox and his friends was interesting because it's like almost every actor of like his that I recognize like yeah. shows up at one point or another. Even if yeah. it's just for a few moments, but yeah. Um, my actual recommendation for this episode, Rikio, the story of Ricky is hey, <laughs> the greatest movie. movie. Oh Speaking my god, of body horror! <laughs> <heart>. just... <laughs> oh man, I I don't know what I was expecting. I just didn't know very much about this. I knew Jack was a huge fan, and that was about it going in. And boy, does this movie take you by surprise if you are not it's prepared so for good. what is going to happen. <laughs> And it was interesting um, watching with our friend Cody, who has read the original comic as well. It, and... it beguiles me that this is based on anything. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this this stuff is just straight, like, the imagery is just straight ripped from the comics. Like, it's amazing, like, how committed it is. Like, it is the just the bloodiest, most Excuse insane me. movie. But also, like, even though it's so, like, gory and chaotic and just, like, this awesome piece of cinema Mm. like it's also very conscious like this interesting takedown of like the prison industrial complex yeah so great so good one of the best movies everyone should watch really
0: really good movie i mean i i got turned to it um in the same way that i think jack may have done is we both listened to a podcast called the flop house where stuart on that frequently just refers to it as like the greatest movie ever made (laughs) it really is (laughs) so yeah ricky i just want to title ricky over oh, the story of ricky spelled differently both
1: times yeah <laughs> so good uh, yeah so please watch that so anything else before we close out the show here Stephen?
0: um yeah i mean you know keep keep eyes out on um stacks projects uh, via the twin geeks um the things that i've spoken about about flox gourmet will either be up already or um, up probably up about the time this podcast so, is yeah that, probably I about the time i've written my review i've just not read over it to to just check it yeah um and yeah keep keep following the stacks podcast feed um of what the, the twin geek stuff um oh man because i've been watching altman because of the the altman focus so um david and calvin are taking robert altman who is just somehow an underrated master like Robert Altman is like a fixture of cinema to the point that gets overlooked frequently. And yeah, I, I, know, I mean, I, is, is that your only Altman Nashville? Have you seen any
1: more Altman? No, that's all I've gotten to so far. I, 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 really I can't to, imagine
0: to to you disliking um, McCabe and Miller. Um, and that's McCabe that's one miller that is... i will be
1: watching soon that's one calvin recommended me for my new year's list so we'll watch an, that an, soon
0: an exception actually the, my three favorites i can't imagine you not loving i mean, four favorites okay. short, shortcuts um shortcuts is really really good but um i can't imagine you not loving the long goodbye um yeah three women and mccabe and miller um those three films are just astonishing altman so yeah the altman podcast i cannot wait to listen because there's some of his earlier films that i can't be asked to watch um
1: so i can listen <laughs> to them talk about them because they don't look very good and they're like
0: yeah, probably I'm a good time so. for
1: me to start so. getting into, into movies. Um, yeah. So yeah, I got that um, on the Twin Geeks cast. Um, always just listen to the Daydream cast, Ranking the Monsters. Mm-hmm. It looks like Calvin maybe watched something for an upcoming episode. <laughs> <laughs> All did, Monsters did, did. Attack. Yeah. Um, a maybe movie a that I like way more answer. than it deserves. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that movie is just <laughs>
0: trash and like bad like it's not even like well-meaning trash like it's, no, it's insidious not. It,
1: it's, <laughs> it's i guess i guess all monsters attack is to me what super Gamera super monster is to matt <laughs> oh Gamera super monster rules though i guess you're on his side too Gamera super monster that's actually the other the other film we're gonna talk about oh okay that's a good combination they're they're yeah. good to compare to clip show but after. weird clip shows yeah yeah oh god um, so yeah check that out What's next for the motorcast Cast? I just listened to River Beast, which was a great episode. Um, I think it means Local Legends is next. I think. Oh. Well, I can't wait for that. I Local Legends yeah. is one of the best. Mm. Just, God, yeah. so many great movies. Amazing so many movie. great yeah. movies. Um, People say that I hate everything. <laughs> um, and pod breaks, uh you can listen to me mm. talking about Yes, no came out do recently. that. God,
0: I can't really say, I said this to you briefly, but I listened to that and just discovered that clipping is just like absolutely entirely my bad like the way that you talked about the yeah
1: like that's I mean that was my goal with like just that little project as a whole was like to see if I could get more people into it because I think it is one of those things where like I've recommended it to a lot of people and I'm not sure if anyone ever actually listens so it's like if I could find an avenue to get people to actually hear it (laughs)
0: music wrecks I feel like you never get around to them Now, the Cormac one about um, Lil Sims is also pretty yeah, good. And, and I believe Jack's doing uh, Jack has Jay yet. Diller. Um, so you can listen to that one soon. So, yeah, I'm very excited for that, where, where that goes.
1: Um, um, no I believe by the time this is out, there will be a new episode of Adventures in Asian Cinema. I'm not awesome. sure exactly what they're covering, um, but I think that's coming out this week. Like I think said... it's
0: the Takeover podcast where just Matt and
1: I talk about Hong Sang Su. I presume it's the Hong Sang soo Takeover. Um, Oh, is that something you recorded, or you? No, it no, 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 oh, no. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm,
0: I'm, making that become real by talking <laughs> oh, okay. about it. Oh, um, okay. Well, I mean,
1: I think they would be happy to have that. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're just going to kick them off. They're just not allowed. It's just myself <laughs> and Matt,
0: just Tom, Susan, um, all thirty of us. Films going, okay. bam.
1: Yeah, like Steven said, always look for the stacks. Lots of projects coming up, um, and then I also wanted to briefly shout out Jack and Matt's spooky summer scavenger hunt. Yeah. Challenge going on right now. Um, they've got a, a list is up on uh, Jack's letterboxed. Um, G G I immediately I started with the wrong letter J-C-K-D-V-N-P-R-T um, he is much better at spelling it than me obviously um, he's very good at check it check out um, check out the spooky summer scavenger hunt watching some spooky movies mm. about these hot summer months it's already a lot of yeah. fun so join that yeah um, and yeah rate comment subscribe <laughs> yes if you like this podcast which i hope you do please rate it five stars on whatever I mean, you've listened this far like normal. if you don't like it why don't you just stop earlier <laughs> like <laughs> they probably didn't make it like, all the way through <laughs> waiting
0: an hour and a half in i pretty you like
1: it at this stage um, um or at least like us thank you um it means a lot all right well until next time i'm thinking of ending this podcast